Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. It's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. You did it. You made it into the top 10 of the 50 most relevant. Hello, it is MJ from the Coaches Panel. Josh Kelly lands at number 10 this year of the 50 most relevant. The Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy for some. Feels a little low in the list for others. Maybe it's about right. Let's talk about Josh Kelly today. And you've been waiting for the top 10 to come around, but you've also been waiting for this man to make an appearance on the podcast. It is nice to have him back for the season 2019. Hello, Rids. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. How you going? Happy New Year to everyone. (laughs) Good, man. It's good to have you back on the podcast and really excited to talk about this GWS superstar. Still just 23 years old. And last year, he delivered some incredibly big numbers, some of his personal best across his career. And there's some interesting stuff I want to get into the details with you about uh, inside the next few minutes. Last year, his best score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was a 166 against the Gold Coast Suns. He ended up with a seasonal average of 108.4 and in those salary cap formats he's going to set you back around about $780,000 a little bit more in fantasy and a little bit less in dream team while in super coach he's going to set you back around about $620,000 just a touch under that he's priced off an average of 113.8 and one of the big reasons for it was an absolute insane game he had against the Carlton Football Club 205 and that is one of only a handful of players that have done it over the past couple of years rids when we talk about josh kelly he's transformed and transitioned himself from a really well beloved well hyped kind of early draft selection he's now done what sometimes can be quite difficult for some of these early draft picks that dominate at the under 18 level he's come out and he's now positioned himself as one of the most elite midfielders in the afl when he's up and running Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, this guy's an absolute superstar. Runs and runs all day. He's got nice and silky, smooth skills. Like, and the great thing about it is, like, I mean, he's a goal scorer as well at times. Yeah. So, so, I mean, even if he's getting tagged and he's having a bit of a struggle, he can push forward and kick goals. So, um, yeah, I just, I love owning this guy in a couple of keeper leagues. I love watching him play. But I reckon we've got a few stats here that might, um, yeah, might put a bit of a question mark over his 2018 season a little bit. Well, let's talk about his 2018 season. 15 games. There were some injury-impacted games along there. One of those games, he was concussed uh, off a sling tackle against the Adelaide captain, Taylor Walker. But from his 15 games last year that he did manage to play, he still picked up 26 disposals. 18 of those were uncontested, so getting on the outside of that hard work of the guys like Taranto, Hopper, uh, Canelio, and a former teammate, Dylan Shealy, had seven score involvements on average per game. There was one game, though, last year. It was considerably higher, and I mean like 16 score involvements per game. He had three clearances, five tackles, four marks, and six inside 50. So he really did it all last year. But from a fantasy perspective, from the 15 games, eight of those scores were over 100, four were over one. 20 and two are over 150 from a super coach perspective seven over 100 five of those tons were over 130 and there was this one game Ritz, where he absolutely went on a tear against the carlton football club 41 disposals 29 kicks 80 percent disposal efficiency 
four goal assists, 16 score involvement, seven marks, 10 clearances. That's the kind of player that he is. And you're right, when he's on fire, don't matter who he's playing against, you ain't going to stop him. Okay, and that's exactly right. So there's no question, okay, we're not saying Josh Kelly is not an absolute stud. We're 100% saying this, okay? But how many games did he score 100 in DT, AFL Fantasy and Supercoach last year when the GWS lost? Well, that's an interesting question. They didn't do as well as you may think. Okay, so, and then I'll ask you another question, okay? So it's zero. There's zero (laughs) hundreds in games that GWS didn't win. Radio. Now, my next question, his highest score in DT, what was it last year? His highest score was against Gold Coast, and that was a 166. Um, Do you know how much the margin was there? I believe it was, uh, I I think it was about 100 point thumping. Yeah, 108 points it was. Um, Now, next question. How what was his high score in Supercoach? And uh, I believe that was the two hundred five that I just alluded to. Hmm. So and a hundred point thumping. margin. Yeah, hundred oh, point. Hundred point margin again. Hmm. It was That's an interesting year, wasn't it? Where we saw something from Josh Kelly in two thousand and eighteen that probably couldn't be said the same as his two thousand and seventeen year. And there's this contrast of when he went big last year. It was generally against the minnow sides. Probably the exception to the the rule would be. Collingwood, you know, in, in round two, but yeah, um, generally but Collingwood speaking, in round two, it was not Collingwood in the grand final. Definitely so agree. That's with important that. as well. So, um, and on top of that, okay, just sorry to interrupt. No, it's you fine. There, um, I just want to throw out there that not at all are we saying that GWS um, and Josh Kelly specifically, okay, isn't a stud. Of course not. We're not saying he's a downhill skier at all. It was just one of those years that, you know, a hundreds came in wins. hundred came so, in wins and generally against um, bottom eight ranked sides. So I know you're going to ask me a little bit later if he's going to be a starter or an upgrade target. I will okay? ask that later. But I'm going to ask you, if you've got a couple of minutes now, what does GWS's early draw look like? GWS start 2019 with one of the more difficult runs. And look, fair enough, too, because they've been t- up towards the top of the ladder. So they start their campaign against Essendon um, at the SSGS. At, this is Sydney Showgrounds, for those of you that aren't sure. Round two, they head over to West Coast. Then round three, they host Richmond. Round four, they head down to Geelong. Round five, probably the first... Um, safe win you could give GWS. Uh, They take on the Fremantle Dockers. Round six, uh, they take on the Swans at the SCG. They're always close games. Uh, Round seven, uh, they take on the St Kilda Football Club. And then round eight, they take on Hawthorne at the MCG. So you could probably say of the opening eight games, two you'd probably say against the Saints and the Dockers, you'd probably give them the four points right about now. The other games, they're going to be much more hotly contested and uh, certainly not lay down as air wins for the Giants. Now, usually, okay, and I'm not saying that this is going to be the case this year at all, but, I mean, you've got to back your instinct, you know. You've got to have your gut feel about this and everything else. But we saw a trend last year where he struggled against the, the teams in the top eight. Let's just say the teams contending. Yeah. All of those teams seem to be contending with the exception of the Dockers. But again, that's in Canberra, that game. So, I mean, that could be rain, that could be ice, that could be snow. 
who knows what's going to happen there. So, yeah, I'm just a little bit questionable about starting him this year. That's all. Yeah, no, and, and that's one of those interesting things because his 2018 year, if you were to contrast it to his 2017 year, there's not as many of those parallels because he played 21 games that year in that season, 15 AFL Fantasy and Dream Team tons, six of them won 20, an average of 112, and he had one score below 87 all year while in Supercoach, 1,600, seven scores of the 120, the 113 average, and just the five games he didn't turn up, two of those were under 90. So we're seeing this slightly different season. I know there were some injury interruptions throughout the year uh, that were certainly a, a factor, but you're right. Last year in 2018, the time we saw Josh Kelly go big, was when GWS won, won well, and generally against bottom eight sides, whereas 2017, that's what we're kind of expecting and anticipating from Josh Kelly, is a guy that barely gives us a a bad score and delivers consistent hundreds week in, week out, because that's what he can do. Yep, correct. Now, there's a couple of other variables to add to this, okay? So what I'll do is I'll add the... The next variable, which is the other negative about starting him, is that Dylan Shield has left the GWS, mm. and he was attracting the tag every single week. He was to ta- he was attracting the opposition's um, best, you know, play with, run with, lockdown option. So, I mean, where does that go now? Is it going to be a Kelly? Is it going to be? I mean, it's him or Cornelio, isn't it? Kelly. It's got to well, be I Kelly or Cornelio. I don't think it's going to be Cornelio. So I, I, I really do believe it's going to be Kelly. Yeah, I do too. Unless Taranto goes into the midfield, which is highly touted and yep. he dominates. But at this stage, I think Kelly's probably the most damaging player at the GWS, unless you look at a Whitfield. Yep. So, I mean, they're the options, okay? So that's, that's the negatives, okay? So that's why you don't want to start with him. But let's be honest here. This guy... When he scores 100, especially in Supercoach, oh, he goes mate. massive. The Supercoach so started last year huge. with 118 and 108. Then every time he hit 100 last year, his lowest was 130. Yeah. <laughs> he went 140 a couple of times, and then he went 200. Yeah, it's so, insane. I mean, yeah, it's just nuts. So ceiling is the massive, massive worry. So if you're sitting there and you're worried about not starting him, that's why. Yeah, and and that's the thing, because he's one of the guys, and and there really is only a handful of midfielders in the competition, that when they get on a run of scoring like that, they can take the season away from you very quickly and then become very difficult to be able to bring into your side because the points they're generating is frequency of them and then the scoring keeps going up you just don't have the cash generation to bring him in that quickly so that's where coaches could be tempted to start him is going I know what he can do and I know what that ceiling is and I know how good of a player he can be yes I I agree there's tag question marks um, around him and, and also some opposition early on but that's where coaches may be tempted to start him going if he flies out of the gate I don't know if I can catch him and what's the other variable? The other variable is Dream Team this year has brought in a rolling lockout. Correct. So what's and on top of that, Tom Mitchell's gone down with a season ending injury, our absolutely perma captain option. So that means if you start with a guy like Josh Kelly who's got a massive ceiling and he comes off early and you happen to V C or captain him a couple of times, I'm talking, you know, you you've gone bang. Yeah. 
you've got more than bang. Like if he scores a two hundred early, like that's just you're nuts. away. You're away. You're 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 flying. Yeah, you know. I totally agree. Uh, he's got yeah. an interesting buy round as well for for coaches that are very heavily and more so super coach. It is a, a obvious in the other formats, but in super coach with the value of a Dustin Martin, a Patrick Cripps, who uh, we spoke about with Rainman on the podcast a couple of days ago. A, a number of Crows midfielders, mostly Matt Crouch, are, are quite often talked about amongst fantasy coaches. So it, there's only so many of those guys too from that round fourteen buy you can either have in your starting squad or upgrade to prior to that round 14 by, is he one of the best scoring options for you of all of those players? And I know I missed out a Stephen Cornelio there. Is he a clear starting option based on the variables for you? Or is he a, I'm going to upgrade him either on the way or after his buy? I think he's got to be upgraded on the way. So I don't think you can risk him half the year. Mm. Okay. We already know GWS will win games. Okay. They're not going to be terrible this year. And we know that when they win, he goes big. So, I mean, at home, games against Essendon, Richmond, Fremantle, you'd think that they'll be in the game. Yep. St Kilda especially at round seven. You'd think they'll be in the game against Hawks. Yes. And against Geelong. Yes. Eagles at Eagles might be a little bit tough. But, I mean, I don't see them being out of any game this year. Yeah, no, they're not going to be blown out of the water by half time. no. No, and then on top of that, I mean, you've got to look at the tagging options. Essendon don't tag. Richmond don't tag. Geelong has got Scott Selwood, who, like, let's be honest now, I don't think he's got the running power to go with a Josh Kelly. I don't think so. The only team you worry about in that first four games is Hutchins. Correct. Um, and even then, a Whitfield may very well be the guy that they send to him. Yep. So, I mean... There's a lot of positives and a lot of negatives. I just think he's an upgrade option, that's all. Yeah, I think at some point in the year, and the earlier you can get him in the year, and especially if it can be a bit cheaper, the better. Because I think by round 15, if you don't own Josh Kelly, given the scoring ceiling he can deliver, he could have cost you your league matchups. He could have cost you some rankings points. And while it's dangerous to say not owning one player can destroy your season, he's the type of player that can um, take a year away from you very, very quickly. And I agree. Right now, he's one of my primary upgrade targets in every single format. I'm not starting him anywhere yet, but geez, the first chance I can get him into my side, I am going to look to take. Yeah, so let's look at the home games from round seven, okay, mate? He's got St Kilda, he's got Carlton, he's got the Gold Coast Suns at home. Yeah, it really opens up from him from about round seven onwards um, is the time you want to get him. So after that um, first battle of the bridge against the Swans in round six, that's about the time I'd be trying to target to bring him into my side. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Well, let's talk drafts. It's an interesting one and how people choose to especially open up their first round of the draft is a very, very unique and different strategies. But it's pretty safe to say that in most formats, in fact, all formats, you're picking up Josh Kelly as your M1. And he's not a top three draft selection, but you could probably start building a case anywhere from pick four to 10, depending on where you land in and what your strategy is. He's a worthy M1 pick. Well, he's a top 10 in the comp. Yes. By average of last year already. And that's with two injury-affected scores last year. Correct. So there's the Tex Walker swing tackle. And then I think in round three, cop the knock, didn't he? Yeah, he struggled he a missed... bit against the Swans, yeah. Yeah. So and then he missed like a group of games. So... Yeah, it was about six weeks. So I think that 
he's definitely ahead of guys like Paddy Cripps and stuff. So I think if you're looking at Paddy Cripps, okay, as a round one option, then you've got to be locking in Josh Kelly as well around the same mark. Well, most drafts seem to be very, very similar in the, in the top three across most formats. It seems to be a danger field. Uh, McRae and Grundy are the, are the popular top three, rightly or wrongly, that's the top three. And so um, probably if you've got yeah, a pick between four and eight and you're wanting to go for a midfielder, I'd pretty happily go for Josh Kelly. Well, especially with Gaff like not starting the year and then Tom Mitchell being out. Yeah. So, I mean, that puts him up into the top eight. Yeah, I agree. I reckon he goes around the four to eight mark. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, mate, nice to have you on the podcast and great to have you talking about Josh Kelly. Uh, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, have, um, good to be back. Jeez, I've lost my tongue. Mate, we'll figure it out. We'll try to get you back for a couple more of the top ten, all right? So we'll, we'll, we'll sort this thing out. Thanks, man. If you want to go and read the article on Josh Kelly, it's live now at coachespanel.tv as are all the other players uh, inside the 50 most relevant that have been revealed so far. All the links for the Patreon are there. And if you're consuming this podcast via iTunes or Spotify and enjoying it, I encourage you to leave a five-star rating and review. It helps others discover what you already know about the coaches panel. We head into single digits tomorrow and another big name in the fantasy community maybe lands a little lower than you thought.